Hello and welcome to Around the World in 80 Books. This is one of the last episodes that we're going to release and today we're going to be reading Chapter 1 of Pippi Longstocking by Astrid Lindberg, translated by Edna Hurup. Pippi moves into Villa Villacula. Way out, at the end of a tiny little town, was an old overgrown garden and in the garden was an old house, and in the house lived Pippi Longstocking. She was nine years old, and she lived there all alone. She had no mother and no father, and that was of course very nice, because there was no one to tell her to go to bed when she was just having the most of fun, and no one who could make her take cod liver oil when she much preferred caramel candy. Once upon a time, Pippi had had a father, of whom she was extremely fond, Naturally, she had had a mother too, but that was so long ago that Pippi didn't remember her at all. Her mother had died when Pippi was just a tiny baby and lay in a cradle and howled so that nobody could go anywhere near her. Pippi was sure that her mother was now up in heaven, watching her little girl through a peephole in the sky, and Pippi often waved up at her and called, Don't you worry about me, I'll always come out on top. Pippi had not forgotten her father. He was a sea captain who sailed on the great ocean and Pippi had sailed with him in his ship until one day her father was blown overboard in a storm and disappeared. But Pippi was absolutely certain that he would come back. She would never believe that he had drowned. She was sure he had floated until he had landed on an island inhabited by cannibals. And she thought he had become the king of all the cannibals and went around with a golden crown on his head all day long. My papa is a cannibal king. It certainly isn't every child who has such a stylish papa, Pippi used to say with satisfaction. And as soon as my papa has built himself a boat, he will come and get me, and I'll be a cannibal princess. A-ho, won't that be exciting? Her father bought the old house in the garden many years ago. He thought he would live there with Pippi when he grew old, and couldn't sail the seas any longer. And then this annoying thing had to happen, that he was blown into the ocean, and while Pippi was waiting for him to come back, she went straight home to Villa Villacula. That was the name of the house. It stood there, ready and waiting for her. One lovely summer evening, she had to say goodbye to all the sailors on her father's boat. They were all fond of Pippi, and she of them. So long, boys! she said and kissed each one on the forehead. Don't you worry about me. I'll always come out on top. Two things she took with her from the ship. A little monkey, whose name was Mr. Nilsson, he was a present from a father, and a big suitcase full of gold pieces. The sailors stood up on the deck and watched her as long as they could see her. She walked straight ahead without looking back at all, with Mr. Nilsson on her shoulder and a suitcase in her hand. A remarkable child, said one of the sailors as Pippi disappeared in the distance. He was right. Pippi was indeed a remarkable child. The most remarkable thing about her was that she was so strong. She was so very strong that in the whole wide world there was not a single police officer as strong as she. Why, she could lift a whole horse if she wanted to. And she wanted to. She had a horse of her own that she had bought with one of the many gold pieces the day she came home to Villa Villacula. 
She had always longed for a horse, and now here he was, living on the porch. When Pippi wanted to drink her afternoon coffee there, she simply lifted him down to the garden. Beside Villa Villacula was another garden and another house. In that house lived a father and a mother and two charming children, a boy and a girl. The boy's name was Tommy, and the girl's Annika. They were good, well brought up, and obedient children. Tommy would never think of biting his nails, and he always did exactly what his mother told him to do. Annika never fussed when she didn't get her own way, and she always looked pretty in a little welly-roan cotton dresses. She took the greatest care not to get that dirty. Tommy and Annika played nicely with each other in the garden, but they had often wished for a playmate. While Pippi was still sailing on the ocean with her father, they often used to hang over the fence and say to each other, Isn't it silly that nobody ever moves into that house? Somebody ought to live there, somebody with children. On that lovely summer evening when Pippi, for the first time, stepped over the threshold of Villa Villacula, Tommy and Annika were not at home. They'd gone to visit their grandmother for a week, and so they had no idea that anybody had moved into the house next door. On the first day after they came home again, they stood by the gate, looking out onto the street, and even then they did not know that there actually was a playmate so near. Just as they were standing there considering what they should do, and wondering whether anything exciting was likely to happen, or whether it was going to be one of those dull days when they couldn't think of anything to play, just then the gate of Villa Villacula opened and a little girl stepped out. She was the most remarkable girl Tommy and Annika had ever seen. She was Miss Pippi Longstocking, out for her morning promenade. This is the way she looked. Her hair, the colour of a carrot, was braided in two tight braids that stuck straight out. Her nose was the shape of a very small potato and was dotted all over with freckles. It must be admitted that the mouth under this nose was a very wide one, with strong white teeth. Her dress was rather unusual. Pippi herself had made it. She had meant it to be blue, but there wasn't quite enough blue cloth, so Pippi had sewed little red pieces on it here and there. On her long, thin legs, she wore a pair of long stockings, one brown and the other black, and she had on a pair of black shoes that were exactly twice as long as her feet. These shoes her father had bought for her in South America, so that Pippi would have something to grow into, and she never wanted to wear any others. But the thing that made Tommy and Annika open their eyes widest of all was the monkey sitting on the strange girl's shoulder. It was a little monkey dressed in blue pants, yellow jacket and a white straw hat. Pippi walked along the street with one foot on the sidewalk and the other in the gutter. Tommy and Annika watched as long as they could see her. In a little while she came back, and now she was walking backward. That was because she didn't want to turn around to get home. When she reached Tommy's and Annika's gate, she stopped. The children looked at each other in silence. At last, Tommy spoke. Why did you walk backward? Why did I walk backwards? said Pippi. Isn't this a free country? Can't a person walk any way she wants to? 
For that matter, let me tell you that in Egypt, everybody walks that way and nobody thinks it's the least bit strange. How do you know? asked Tommy. You've never been in Egypt, have you? I've never been in Egypt? Indeed I have. That's the one thing you can be sure of. I have been all over the world and seen many things stranger than people walking backward. I wonder what you would have said if I had come along walking on my hands, the way to do in farthest India. Now you must be lying, said Tommy. Pippi thought a moment. You're right, she said sadly. I am lying. It's wicked to lie, said Annika, who had at last gathered up enough courage to speak. Yes, it's very wicked to lie, said Pippi even more sadly. But I forget it now and then. And how can you expect a little child whose mother is an angel and whose father is king of Cannibal Island and who herself had sailed on the ocean all her life, how can you expect her to tell the truth always? And for that matter, she continued, her whole freckled face lighting up, let me tell you that in the Congo there is not a single person who tells the truth. They lie all day long, begin at seven in the morning and keep until sundown. So, if I should happen to lie now and then, you must try to excuse me and to remember that it is only because I stayed in the Congo a little too long. We can be friends anyway, can't we? Oh, sure, said Tommy, and realised suddenly that this was not going to be one of those dull days. By the way, why couldn't you come and have breakfast with me? asked Pippi. Why not? said Tommy. Come on, let's go. Oh yes, let's, said Annika. But first, I must introduce you to Mr. Nilsson, said Pippi. And the little monkey took off his hat and bowed politely. Then they all went in through Villa Villacula's tumble-down garden gate, along the gravel path, bordered with old moss-covered trees, really good climbing trees they seemed to be, up to the house and onto the porch. There stood the horse, munching oats out of a soup bowl. Why do you have a horse on the porch? asked Tommy. All horses he knew lived in stables. Well, said Pippi thoughtfully, he'd be in the way in the kitchen and he doesn't like the parlour. Tommy and Annika patted the horse and they went on into the house. It had a kitchen, a parlour and a bedroom. But it certainly looked as if Pippi had forgotten to do her Friday cleaning that week. Tommy and Annika looked around cautiously, just in case the king of the cannibal isles might be sitting in a corner somewhere. They had never seen a cannibal king in all their lives. But there was no father to be seen, nor any mother either. Annika said anxiously, Do you live here all alone? Of course not, said Pippi. Mr. Nilsson and the horse, they live here too. Yes, but, I mean, don't you have any mother or father here? No, not least a little tiny bit of a one, said Pippi happily. But who tells you when to go to bed at night and things like that? asked Annika. I tell myself, said Pippi. First, I tell myself in a nice friendly way. And then, if I don't mind, I tell myself again more sharply. And if I still don't mind, then I'm in for a spanking, see? Tommy and Annika didn't see at all, but they thought maybe it was a good way. 
Meanwhile, they had come out into the kitchen and Pippi cried, Now we're going to make a pancake. Now there's going to be a pancake. Now we're going to fry a pancake. Then she took three eggs and threw them up in the air. One fell down on her head and broke so that the yolk ran into her eyes. But the others she caught skillfully in a bowl, where they smashed to pieces. I always did hear that egg yolk was good for the air, said Pippi, wiping her eyes. You wait and see. Mine will soon begin to grow so fast it will crackle. As a matter of fact, in Brazil, all the people go about with eggs in their hair. And there are no bald-headed people. Only once, there was a man who was so foolish, he ate all his eggs instead of rubbing them on his hair. He became completely bald, and when he showed himself on the street, there was such a riot that the police were called out. While she was speaking, Pippi had neatly picked the eggshells out of the bowl with her fingers. Now she took a bath brush that hung on the wall and began to beat the pancake batter so hard that it splashed all over the walls. At last she poured what was left onto a griddle that stood on the stove and when the pancake was brown on one side, she tossed it halfway up to the ceiling so that it turned right around in the air and then she caught it on the griddle again. And when it was ready, she threw it straight across the kitchen right onto a plate that stood on the table. Eat, she cried. Eat before it gets cold. And Tommy and Annika ate and thought it was a very good pancake. Afterward, Pippi invited them to step into the parlour. There was only one piece of furniture in there. It was a huge chest with many tiny drawers. Pippi opened the drawers and showed Tommy and Annika all the treasures she kept there. There were wonderful bird's eggs, strange shells and stones, pretty little boxes, lovely silver mirrors, pearl necklaces and many other things that Pippi and her father had bought on their journeys around the world. Pippi gave each of her new playmates a little gift to remember her by. Tommy got a dagger with a shimmering mother-of-pearl handle and Annika a little box with a cover decorated with pink shells. In the box there was a ring with a green stone. Suppose you go home now, said Pippi, so that you can come back tomorrow. Because if you don't go home you can't come back, and that would be a shame. Tommy and Annika agreed that it would indeed. So they went home, past the horse, who had now eaten up all the oats, and out through the gate of Villa Villacula. Mr Nielsen waved his hat at them as they left. This is the end of the first chapter of Pippi Longstocking by Astrid Lindbergh. Tak and adieu. Thanks and goodbye.